The Truth News Network. Remember when Al Gore told us he took illegal campaign contributions from China and admitted he knew they were illegal, but that there was no enforcing authority, so he did it anyway? When the law is ignored because there is no force to stand in the way, you're not living in a republic. You're living in exactly the same country the fathers of this country escaped from. It's time to push back. And that starts with the truth. TNN. The Truth News Network and Dan Newman. And man, do we have some truths we've got to get into this morning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. This is going to be a special show. We are going to have at least one special guest with us at the bottom of this hour, State Senator John Milkovich of Louisiana. He's an attorney. He's plugged in, and he's got a lot of truths that he's going to lay out there for us about what happened overnight. Yeah, the 900-pound gorilla in the room today and will be the 900-pound gorilla in the room for a lot of days to come is what happened yesterday at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, the home of former President Donald Trump. History was made by Christopher Wray and Merrick Garland's Department of Justice and the FBI. Never before has a former president been attacked been attacked after leaving office by his predecessor's government. Make no mistake, folks, this president, Joe Biden, is up to his eyeballs in what happened yesterday. Joe Biden has always been sinister, quiet, always acts like he's above the fray. But just look at what's happened with his son and all of those doors with the foreign leaders in these foreign countries and these mega billionaires overseas that Joe Biden has connected his son with. Oh, by the way, something I'll just throw out there for you to think about during the show. You know all these billions that we are giving to Ukraine? Very little strings attached to any of it. How much of that money do you think is going to the war against Russia and Ukraine? And how much of it just happens to uh, slip out, disappear? Don't think that's not happening. And unless, unless the power brokers in Washington, D.C. somehow get pushed to the side and real truth seekers replace them, we'll never know. And there are a lot of people in D.C. that are booking for, for that to happen, that nothing will be exposed. Well, we're going to get to that. We're going to have guests, as we said. We're going to hear from the president's daughter-in-law. We're going to hear from his son. I'm talking about President Donald Trump in this show today. We're also going to hear a little roundup from Florida, the news agencies down there, to tell us exactly who's leading this charge in the state of Florida. And you do realize that it happened in the state of Florida. That means the state of Florida's got some jurisdiction in this. The feds can't just walk in and obliterate the rule of law without some kind of accountability to the state in which it occurred. Very few people thought about that. We're going to get into that a little bit. But before we go there, and we're going to get there, stay with us. A big portion of the show today is going to be about all of that, just giving you the latest on facts 
concepts, ideas, and uh, some educated uh, decisions that have been made about some of the stuff that happened last night. But something else really big happened yesterday, and it's really big in my life, and that is the death of one of the greatest singers of all time from Australia, Olivia Newton-John. She's forever going to be known for her feel-good ballads, her sunny disposition, her star turn as a goody two-shoes. Who will forget the hit musical Grease? But the singer-songwriter wanted to be remembered for more than the love songs and the role that defined her decades-long career. After Olivia Newton-John's first bout with breast cancer more than a quarter century ago, she used her celebrity to help increase awareness of the disease that affects more than two million women worldwide. Her efforts, including a charity walk on the Great Wall of China, raised millions of dollars for a cancer research center that bears her name. She was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer back in 1992, and she died in California yesterday. Cause of death not immediately known, she was 73, survived by her husband, John Easterling, and her daughter, Chloe Latanzi. Olivia has been a symbol of triumphs and hope for over 30 years, sharing her journey with breast cancer. This is her husband. He posted that on her Instagram page. Her healing inspiration, pioneering experience with plant medicine continues with the Olivia Newton-John Foundation Fund dedicated to researching plant medicine and cancer. I don't know if you know this, but among all cancers, breast cancer is the number one cause of death among women. That's according to the World Health Organization. The disease is the most frequently diagnosed cancer among women. Some developed countries have the highest rate in the world. In the U.S., it's estimated one in eight women will develop the disease. Wow. Besides being a great, uh, a great supporter of finding and eliminating the sources for breast cancer, Olivia Newton-John was a great singer. Nobody can credibly dispute that. Now let me tell you why I'm doing this at the top of the show today. This hits really, really deep at home in the Dan Newman household. My sister-in-law, Marianne's oldest sister, Marilyn, she died of breast cancer. And it's kind of ironic, but Marilyn's favorite singer for years was Olivia Newton-John. They shared a lot, breast cancer, and they both fought a long, long time and fought hard. I'll never forget going to a premiere opening of a Nautilus Health Center way back in the late 70s, early 80s in Shreveport, Louisiana. And when we walked in the door, Marilyn, her husband, Marianne, my wife, and me, when we walked in the door, this is what we heard. And this is what we saw on a big video screen. Yeah, it was a big thing back then. This was Marilyn... Marilyn Turner Lazuzo, my sister-in-law. This was her favorite song of all time from her favorite artist, Olivia Newton-John. 
just turned tuned in you turned to the show and heard that song by Olivia Newton John we're just honoring her she passed away from breast cancer yesterday at age 73 I mentioned as we started the show today it struck home with us because my wife's oldest sister Marilyn Turner Luzuzo died of breast cancer in 2013 nine years ago and it was a it was a hard battle for Marilyn. Oh my gosh, it was really difficult. And um, I don't care how bad or evil people are to you. Excuse me. 
Nobody can be too bad, so bad that they deserve to die of cancer. I don't care who you are, what you did. And Marilyn was a saint. She was amazing. Biggest giver I've ever known. I guess my wife is right up there with her. So Marilyn passed away in December of 2013. Favorite singer was Olivia Newton-John. You just heard that was one of Marilyn's favorite Olivia Newton-John songs. Our youngest daughter about that same time had just found out she had breast cancer, Corey Shirley. That was a shock for all of us. So it was malignant. She had the full-blown thing, double mastectomy, uh, rounds of chemo and radiation. And thankfully, I think her cancer-free number is up to 13 years. And it proves that you can beat it. But it doesn't change the fact that it's a tough row for anybody to hoe. And it is the number one cancer among women around the world. We need to beat that thing. We need to find the answers. So on the way out of the show at the end of the second hour, we're going to play probably Olivia Newton-John's number one song, Let's Get Physical. Oh my gosh, when it came out in the video, talk about controversial. (laughs) This was way back when music videos were just, oh my gosh, you can't show any skin. You can't do anything suggestive. And I'll never forget the controversy. I'll talk about it at the end of the show. But we have a 900-pound gorilla that has just dropped into our lives overnight. And it is ripping America apart right now. Do you think we were divided before yesterday? You just wait till the balance of this week plays out and just watch and see how divided you thought we were compared to how divided we're going to expose to the world we are today. What are you talking about, Dan? What happened in Mar-a-Lago, Florida, and if you've been under a rock, you don't know this, but the FBI launched a massive raid unannounced, never, ever happened to any president in history, ever. You got that right? Ever. We're talking about this Justice Department, same one, few different faces, few different players, but the same one that did this during his presidency. And it wasn't just that three, three and a half year Mueller investigation I'm talking about. It never ended. It never ended. Impeachment number one, impeachment number two. You're looking at what in effect is really impeachment attempt number three. This one is a last ditch effort to try to criminalize Donald Trump and find him guilty of something that would fall into that pretext that nobody that is convicted of any kind of federal crime can ever serve again in any federal position or any office. That's what this is about. Well, where are we going to go with this? We've got John Milkovich will join us at the bottom of the hour, Louisiana Senator, also an attorney of lifelong friend of mine. He's got a lot of wisdom about stuff like this. So you want to stick around for that. We possibly will have Congressman Louis Gohmert from up in Northeast Texas, who is also a very deep, deep, deep entrenched attorney and is well-versed on kind of corruption that this looks like this is. 
let me ask you this. Before we get into this, did you flip channels last night and watch any of the uh, the leftist heads? They were going absolutely nuts with glee. Oh my gosh, they couldn't believe their luck, their good fortune. We got him. We got him. The orange man. We got him. What we're going to find out, I'm going to make a prediction for you. And mark this day, this time, on your calendar right now. I'm going to predict we are going to find out this wasn't just something that happened quickly. This has been planned. It's been explored. It's been documented. And the rollout of it was very, very specific. A writer, a writer that hates Trump, New York Times, put out a story with some pictures supposedly showing documents in the White House during the Trump administration were being flushed down a commode. Could it be that it was a setup? It was the precursor to give the Department of Justice just enough factual-looking information to use to justify, hey, we think former presidents got confidential classified documents and he took them from the White House. OMG, they're in this safe in Miralago. A hundred FBI agents stormed Miralago yesterday. No formal announcement. By the way, no subpoena that we've seen yet. I'm sure there is one. But we're going to let you listen to some of the experts to tell you normally in a case like this what should have happened. What should have happened? Eric Trump was the first member of the Trump family that I heard last night break in on this on the Sean Hannity show. All right, joining us now live, he was with his father uh, for most of the day, as I understand it today, Eric Trump is with us. Eric, uh, you were with your dad as this was unfolding? I was, Sean. In fact, I was the guy that got the call this morning, and I called my father let him know that it happened, so I was involved in this all day. And, you know, welcome to politics in, you know, in the, in the you know, 2000s. Um, Sean, my father never got so much as a speeding ticket in his life, you know, until he made one decision, and that's to go down the escalators of Mar-a-Lago and spend a lot of money and go and actually fight for this country for the first time. And he did a better job than anybody has ever done. And they started coming after him. The Washington Post, the day he won, 2016, the day he won, November 8th, that night they wrote an article. This is when impeachment begins. He wasn't president. He hadn't been elected for less, you know, for five minutes at that point. And they start, this is when impeachment begins. And then he's impeached the first time. And then he was impeached a second time. And they slandered him. They belittled him. You know, they went after him. They went after all of us. There's no family in American history that has taken more arrows in the back than the Trump family every single time. And you know what? It's gone on past politics. You look at the attorney generals. You look at district attorneys all over the country. All they want to do is they want to get Donald Trump. They raise money on it. They send fundraising emails about it. They brag on camera about it. They go after him. They subpoena him. I'm probably the most subpoenaed person in the history of the United States. Every single day we get another subpoena. And they do it for one reason. Because they don't want Donald Trump to run and win again in 2024. And, Sean, that's what this is about today. To have 30 FBI agents, actually more than that, descend on Mar-a-Lago, give absolutely you know, no notice, go through the gates, start ransacking an office, ransacking a closet. You know, they broke into a safe. He didn't even have anything in the safe. I mean, give me a break. And, and this is coming from what, the National Archives? 
Yet, you know, Hunter Biden, he's a firearms crimes, uh, prostitution, illegal drugs, um, you know, shady deals with everybody around the world. And by the way, it's all on his laptop for the whole world to see. In his own writing, in his own words, cooperated by everybody. Where, where are these FBI agents? Where, where is everybody? Why is it that the arrows only fly at Donald Trump and his family? Why is it that the political persecution only goes one way in this country? Let's talk a little bit about what you were being told. What was the purpose for this raid? Sean, the purpose of the raid, from what they said, was because the National Archives wanted to you know, cooperate uh, whether or not Donald Trump had any documents in his possession. And, and my father has worked so collaboratively with them for months. In fact, the lawyer uh, that's been working on this was totally shocked. He goes, I had such an amazing relationship with these people. And all of a sudden, on no notice, they sent, you know, 20 cars and, and 30 agents. Sean, I mean, this, this is just more political persecution of Donald J. Trump. They see Biden. Well, let, me, let me go He's through this so in every little detail. Single, please. But, but because I'm assuming, all right, so your father is, is packing, he's leaving the White House. I don't know. I'm guessing that you, your dad probably didn't pack a single box. I'm just guessing you would know better than I. You can tell me if he did or if he didn't. Uh, all these boxes, all, this, all your personal items get brought down to Mar-a-Lago. There's a question about whether there might be classified information that had been written about a long time ago. Let's walk through the process. So Mar-a-Lago, the people that work for your dad, were working with the National Archives to go through the material to make sure if there was anything mistakenly taken that it was going to be returned. And you were working collaboratively on that. Is that correct? So when the president moves out of the White House, you have effectively, you know, six hours to move out of the White House. It's, it's effectively inauguration time where one president gets moved out and one president gets moved in. Right. That's how the whole system works, as as you know, better than anybody. My father always kept clippings, um, you know, press clippings. He would have, you know, newspaper articles, pictures, notes from us. Uh, when my mom passed away a couple of weeks ago, you know, he still had all the the notes, uh, you know, over the years had been saved, all the notes that she had ever written him. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. My father saves clippings and things like that. So he had, he had boxes, right, when he moved out of the White House. And he was very collaborative. If you want to search for anything, if you think anything, like, you know, come right ahead. I mean, it was, it was an open-door policy. And all of a sudden, 30 agents descend upon Mar-a-Lago. Sean, this didn't come from the little local FBI field office in, uh, in Palm Beach, Florida. You know who this came from. This came from one place and one building, and, and that is the White House in Washington, D.C. They want to attack a guy who they view as his greatest threat, is Biden's greatest threat. And that's exactly what Donald J. Trump is, because you know what? He had an incredibly strong country. People realized he was an effective president. And you see Biden right now. I mean, Taiwan is getting circled by military planes literally as we sit here and speak right now. You've got you know, Russia, Ukraine, which is a total disaster. You've got everything that's happening. Iran, which is a disaster. You've got inflation. You've got gas prices. All the things that you talk about all night. We're not respected by anybody around the world. Our economy is, is garbage, you know. And they worry that Donald Trump will come back in and win this very easily. They also worry about the 2022 midterms, which is the only reason they're doing the sham January 6th panel that does not have a single Republican on it. I mean, other than Liz Cheney, who's about to lose her race by 25 points, right? It's more political persecution of Donald J. Trump. They can't stand that Americans love him. I mean, even as I watch so, the channel right now, they keep on showing these beautiful clips of, of people, 
you know, waving Trump flags outside of Mar-a-Lago, his supporters. When has that ever happened in a political movement in the United States before? You know, you think back to the, the Russia hoax, the Russia witch hunt, the conspiracy theory. It went on for three long years. Eric, you know, I covered it every single night. And we ended up being vindicated on every single solitary thing that was reported on this show with our, our full ensemble cast. You know, Ari Fleischer tweeted out, all I can say is the FBI better have a slam dunk criminal case. Otherwise, the Biden administration and the DOJ have crossed a line of no return. What could they possibly think existed inside of Mar-a-Lago in a box that was taken from the White House that, it, that was so damaging that the FBI director and the Attorney General of the United States would, would have to raid a former president's residence uh, and grab everything out of there? Because that doesn't make sense. What, 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 could pop, what, what secret document could possibly rise to that level? Yeah. I don't know. They'll probably find a note from me telling him how proud I am of him and what a great job he was doing as president. They might find some pictures of my kids, maybe some nice, you know, headlines, uh, maybe a nice note from you, Sean. Um, it's insane. How many times can you cry wolf? I mean, the FBI dragged this whole country through hell for three years based on lies and deceit and dirty dossiers and FISA warrants and everything else. Right. And everything proved to be incorrect, fraudulent made up an absolute sham. They dragged this country through hell. And here they are again, raiding the guy's house. I mean, when, when do you give up? When do you say enough's enough? When do you give a human being, you know, who fought so hard for this country, when do you give them the benefit of the doubt? It's got to stop, Sean. I mean, this well, is I mean, third I mean, world we do have banana republic stuff. All right, so Hillary Clinton deletes the 33,000 emails. She comes up with the dirty Russian dossier. That dossier is disseminated to the press, the media mob, or the willing accomplices. They disseminate false information in the lead-up to the 2016 election. Uh, nothing happens to her. Nothing happens to the media. They don't even apologize or correct the record at any particular point. Uh, th then, of course, that information, unverified, is used to spy on Carter Page and backdoor into the Trump campaign transition team and presidency. Nobody gets held accountable for that. You, if, if you or your brother Don Jr., if God forbid, you lied on a gun application, I doubt you'd be on this program tonight. You'd be serving time in jail. Or you have process crimes. Peter no Navarro was being charged with a misdemeanor. That usually means you call the lawyer and say, have your client report at this time, at this place, or we will secure a warrant for that person's arrest. Same with a process crime with Manafort, or same with Roger Stone. Sure. I mean, th these, were, th th these are not violent criminals that deserve pre-dawn raids with guns in their face, and then, of course, tipped off CNN cameras. And America tonight is asking, do we have equal justice and application of our laws in this country? Because after the way they treated we your don't. father with the Russian hoax, after, you know, Again, if they better have a good reason for this. And here's another thing. Were the lawyers allowed to follow the FBI through Mar-a-Lago today as they were looking everywhere? Did anyone watch no, them? No, the answer is lawyers weren't allowed. They weren't allowed to be anywhere within sight. It's horrible. That's got to be a violation right there. They weren't allowed to be anywhere in sight. And going back to Hillary, there's a whole lot of other things. How about the Benghazi scandals? How about the Clinton Foundation? I mean... How many, you know, shady oligarchs from Russia were contributing to that? Look about how about Uranium One? You want to talk about, you know, scandals that were never investigated, never vetted? You know, it's it's the rules for thee and not for me, right? That's the old, you know, it, it, Sean. This has been happening since day one. They cannot stand 
that a guy named Donald Trump, who was a real estate developer, who built tremendous wealth and, and fame, was able to go into a political system in the U.S. and take out a person like Hillary Clinton and beat them at their own game and then go into Washington, D.C. and do a phenomenal job and not play by the rules and end up becoming one of the best presidents this country has ever had. And then they put in one of their own and the guy turns out to be an absolute flop. He does a terrible, terrible job and the country is going to hell under his leadership. And then now all of a sudden they realize that his son's in trouble and that he's in trouble and their political party's in trouble and that Donald Trump is poised if he wanted it, if he decided to hop back on that stage and wanted it, they know he's poised to win. And guess what? That threatens them. That threatens who they are. And they will do anything they can to take him out, to take me out, to take Don out, to take Ivanka out, to take our family out. They do it every single day. They do it at a state level. They do it at a federal level. The FBI does it. They subpoena us. They make our lives hell, Sean, every single day because they are threatened by Donald J. Trump. And honestly, I hope and I'm saying this for the first time. I hope he goes out and beats these guys again. Because honestly, this country can't survive this nonsense. It can't. This is not who we are. This is who Venezuela is, Sean. This is banana republic antics. Having a home of the 45th president in the United States, raided by FBI agents, safes broken open. This is not who we are as a democracy. Imagine if that happened to, to Barack Obama. The, the world would be in an uproar. Well, uh, Eric Trump, um, I don't know. I think Ari Fleisch is right. Um, if you watch what they've done over the, the years, they don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore because they lied and they tried to take your father out for three years and they used a dirty Hillary dossier to do it. They spied on him illegally. Nobody was held accountable. She wasn't held accountable. No raid of Hunter's house. They've had the laptop longer than anybody. Director Ray, oh, I don't know anything about the laptop. And we certainly have a politicized Department of Justice, there's no doubt about it. Eric Trump, thank you for being with us tonight. We appreciate it. Of course, that was Sean Hannity last night with um, Eric Trump, Donald J. Trump's son. And you could hear it in his voice. He was rocked. And why wouldn't he be? I mean, what father's son under these circumstances wouldn't have just been obliterated? Joining us on the phone now... Louisiana Senator John Milkovich, good friend of mine. Good morning, John. Hey, Dan. How are you? Well, considering everything, um, I guess I'm okay. How are you? Look, we're ready to fight. It's on. Well, we've got a fighter, former president of the United States, number 45. He was a fighter when he was in office. I can only imagine what kind of fight the American people are going to see now. So let's just wade into this thing. It's just you and me. I know you, John, let me just tell folks who you really are. Um, he's a great attorney. He's been in Northwest Louisiana forever. He's from up in the Northwest. Uh, you're from Montana, right? Yes, sir. How in the world did you get to Louisiana? That's a story for another day, but he's been in practice here in Northwest Louisiana, state senator, um, He's a stick-his-nose-in-and-get-stuff-done kind of guy. I don't know a better way to say it. I, uh, <laughs> I have followed his career. He, uh, he, he was a defense attorney for an accused Barksdale Air Force Base airman for murder, and it was actually the whole thing was a setup by an evil prosecutor and an evil judge. And the trial made national headlines. It was really something else. John represented 
that uh, airman, and as a matter of fact, he was he was acquitted of any charges, but it, it wasn't easy. It was a big fight for John. John's one of those kind of guys. Before he started talking about this thing that is happening now to former President Trump, I wanted you to know where he's coming from. John, thank you for joining us this morning. Give us your gut feelings about what you think is really going on about this invasion of Mar-a-Lago yesterday by Christopher Ray FBI director's agents. Well, listen, there are many historians out there that are going to be uh, more tuned and more schooled and more uh, knowledgeable on this issue. But just from, you know, Joe the bartender Ramada Inn uh, or Keithville residents' perspective, look, they want to say that because this president had his personal residence searched by the FBI, that makes him the most crooked president in American history. Look, folks, let, let me tell you what the real narrative is. The big picture is this is a president that started zero wars to make his friends money. This is a president who was a, uh, pardon the expression, conspiracy theorist in chief who on the day of 9-11 said he did not believe the planes knocked down those buildings, that there had to be bombs. This is a president who was not, not emphasis on the word, not involved in any international drug rings, Mena, Arkansas, anyone. This is not a president who was actively involved in the cover-up of the, the explode, mid-air explosion of Pan Am 103 when a CIA or intelligence officer was coming from Europe to America to blow the whistle on a CIA uh, heroin trafficking ring. He is not a president who was involved in the cover-up of BCCS. And he is, however, he is a president who has made the strongest stance on behalf of the unborn uh, of any president so, since the uh, uh, abominable ruling of Roe versus Wade. I said all that to say this. He's not a perfect man. There's only one perfect man. He was nailed to a cross. We know who that is. And and he and I don't agree necessarily with everything he does. I, I disagree with him on vaxes. But l- let me say this. He, he is not being persecuted because he's crooked. He's being persecuted because he's not part of the clique. And uh, a quick reference to presidential in American history, and again, there's many listeners out there that are going to be more erudite on this than I am. The fact of the matter is, people like John F. Kennedy and Abraham Lincoln, when you study the history of their times, you realize, yes, they were assassinated, and it's precisely because they were really not part of the ultimate uh, power elite and power clique, the financial elite, the political elite. dark powers that that brought down and and actually conspired and, and resulted in the assassinate murderers of both of those great men donald trump is being persecuted precisely because he's not part of the deep state the new world order the globalist one world government the communist leftist conspiracy to trash america that's the real story and if liz cheney is so half on being a uh, a conscientious crusader against government corruption. I'll tell you what, Liz, why don't you get your daddy up there and let's go ahead and question him under oath about <laughs> what he knew about the tax on 9-11 and when he knew about him. Let's talk about the Clinton's drug ring in uh, Mena, Arkansas. Let's talk about, and this is nothing, another thing that people don't even accuse Donald Trump of, the Clinton's 
political enemies that possessed incriminating information on them. Many of them suffered from what I call PMS, premature mortality syndrome. A bunch of them died uh, inexplicable and violent deaths. So it's, it's not, and again, Donald Trump perfect, not even saying that, but what really makes him stand out and the reason, the real reason he is the uh, bearing the brunt of the vilification of the Washington, D.C. politicians and the, and the deep state is because he was not part of the totally corrupt clique that was into drug trafficking, arms tra trafficking, starting wars for money, trashing our freedom, taking away our Second Amendment rights, and he was against abortion. Sorry, I had that on my chest. I'm glad you let me get it off my chest. <laughs> Thank you for uh, sharing that with us. Um, I want to get to another thing, but let me first say this. I'm one of those guys, Vince Foster who was the first guy in the White House uh, who went up with the Clintons when they went there from Arkansas. You remember him. He was chief of staff. Yes. He was out jogging in Washington Park. He disappeared. They found his body days later. I, in Washington, D.C., I saw the very first autopsy on oh, Vince gosh. Foster. Two, oh, gosh. Two bullet holes in the back of his head. Oh, Lord. Official oh, Lord. cause of death, suicide. Come on. I don't know. I don't know how you suicide yourself in the back of the head, not once, but twice. And yep. later on, the person, the authority that showed me the original one showed me the second one. And of course it was corrected. There was not corrected. any shots in uh, the back of the head. He committed suicide the normal way, shot himself in the head with the gun. That's just one little bit of tidbit to explain exactly what's going on. This That's is, exactly this, right. This is not about Donald Trump. This is about much more important, bigger, far wide stretching things. And John, you touched on several of them, globalist, global government, whatever you want to call it. This has been happening. It's been in the making for decades. If yes. not, not even, it may be centuries. We don't know. But yes. there is a huge, powerful group of people in the world stage. And I met with one of them, probably many people say he's the wealthiest man on the planet, and one of the most powerful one, Baron de Rothschild. Met with, oh my him, met with him in Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, and it was about a business deal. Never would know this man had any kind of power, any kind of money. Uh, but he does. In meeting Oh my goodness. And, the, and the Rothschild family own more than a hundred central banks in countries around the world. In fact, they own controlling interest in the Federal Reserve, the New York Federal Reserve Bank in New York. They're Come on. they're powerful. These kind of people, they don't look at the world the same way you and I do. You're right. We have um, most of us have a, a seven to fourteen day calendar really in our heads what's important what are we going to do and so we think that far out if you're really progressive you may go out That's six good. months these people plan for generations you're right and they have the power and the money to do that and they also have the history of doing that i'm not going to wade into that what i want to wade into is from the pol uh, not the political perspective but the legal perspective just a little bit that we know now about how this rolled out down there. Do you think there was any legal shenanigans going on, any that you've picked up on yet? Well, and I have not had the opportunity 
uh, Dan. And by the way, I love your commentary. You're seeing the big picture. This is all, and I agree with you a thousand percent. This is all about the big picture. This is not about Donald Trump had presidential papers, which he took. I mean, if that is the legal basis for uh, crashing a former president's uh, home, you could have done that, I'm sure, to any of the presidents of the last 40 or 50 years. Uh, I have not had a chance to study any of the paperwork or the search warrants that were issued. But but I love your question because it gets to the heart of another problem, and that is that the judiciary is becoming increasingly politically weaponized. Uh, when my mom grew up in Montana in the early you know 1930s and 40s, she had as a father figure a federal judge named James Baldwin. And he taught my mom is that a judge is a very lonely place to be because you cannot be the friend of either or any of the litigants. Your job is to do justice under the law. Well, I'll tell you what, and his name was uh, James Baldwin, a, a federal judge in Montana, not a famous person, but he was a great Jeffersonian and uh, integrous federal judge in Montana, in Butte, Montana in the 1930s. 1940s. The, the problem with our judiciary now is so many of the judges are totally politicized and see their role in their job as, as not listening to the evidence and upholding the Constitution, but performing political hits on their political enemies. And when is that? Where is that in the oath of office for federal judges? Again, I'm not saying that about every federal judge. Uh, we we have had one of America's greatest federal judges right here in Shreveport, Tom Stagg. He's got a United States courthouse named after him. But, I mean, the federal judges went after uh, – and it's not just federal judges, but they went after, as far as I can see, they went after Sidney Powell with a vengeance. Uh, they went after – now they're going after Alex Jones. Everybody's saying, well, you know, he admitted that he lied about Sandy Hook, Sandy Hook, whatever it is, and I don't know what it is. But the fact of the matter is there was default judgment against him. He never got a trial on the issue of whether Sandy Hook did or did not occur. It was some kind of a default. And, I mean, if I'm the judge on that case, I say, wait a minute. We're not sk skipping from A to Y, skipping over that, then going straight to Z, and how much do you owe? Let the juries decide how much you owe this poor family. First, we're going to decide whether this is a poor family or not. Again, I'm not opining one way or the other. I don't know enough about it. But I said all that to say this. We have a politicized court, uh, judges increasingly, that see their job to, to punish one side or the other, to criminalize uh, dissent and criticism and the First Amendment. And, you know, and, and of course, there's there are many that believe that the United States District Court, District of Columbia, is a, uh, a court with many problems, with significant issues. That's where Roger Stone got, many people believe, uh, railroaded. That's where uh, some of the other Trump supporters got blasted, and they, they felt like they did not get fair proceedings at all. Before, you go, before you go on, let me, let me just mention a name. This is the judge in that court that everybody goes to. He is the hardcore leftist Democrat. Emmett Sullivan is his name, and he's the one that has just destroyed the lives of many conservatives, and often he turns his back on the rule of law, and he just goes outside and rules by his opinions. 
That's not supposed to happen. And you know, and I'm I'm not an expert on Emmett Sullivan per se, but I, you know, who who what conservative in America, or Christian, or any person, just say any person that's not for abortion or not for communism or opposes Marxist Leninism, who what person of those philosophic convictions wants to go to trial in United States District Court for the District of Columbia, uh, where you know, by the time the jury's picked, you're already, I mean, there's some believe that by the time the jury's picked, you're already convicted. That, you know, we, we, we want to, to believe that when you go to a trial, civil or criminal, everybody walks into the courtroom on equal footing, no decisions have been made. And, you know, tragically, I think some of the, and of course, I've been a trial lawyer for over 30 years, so I've seen it with my own eyes. Many, many good judges I've had the privilege to practice in front of, but there are instances where a case is decided before the first lick of evidence is presented. That's not the way it's supposed to happen, right? That's exactly right. (laughs) John, on the way out of this, I want to ask you about something, and I'm going away from the legal profession for a moment. I'm going to... Um, Providence Subdivision in South Shreveport, Keithville, Louisiana, uh, way up in northeastern Arkansas and the upper Midwest and the Southwest. Yes. Where everyday Americans live. Come on. Can we today, any of us, after what happened last night, the very little bit that we know about it, but knowing that that happened to the 45th president of the United States, can we be comfortable now that our government is going to take care of us, is going to treat us fairly, and make sure the rule of law is adhered to in every area that might impact us? Can we do that? Absolutely not. And again, and I'll be brief because I know you have uh, other guests and other topics to hit, but absolutely not. And the problem is this is the same FBI that colluded – here, here's the Robert Mueller term. It was actively involved, that's better, in the cover-up of the assassination of John F. Kennedy on November 22, 1963, in broad daylight in Dealey Plaza. The, folks, the FBI, and I'm not, there's honest FBI agents. We thank God for them. Thank God for them, and they're there. They're out there. But the FBI, as an institution, hasn't even told the truth about the murder of President John F. Kennedy some uh, over 50 years ago if they covered up the assassination of a president where and until they come clean with that until they sweep you know sweep the cupboards until they uh, lift the carpets and let let us get the dust out and the debris and the decay corruption and and lies that were swept under the rug until they come clean on that and many many other cover-ups where do they get where do they get the credibility and what is happening in America, many people have said it, people that, are, that know more than I do, know things I don't know, say that this is the essence of the rise of the deep state, and that is that the executive branch of the government has so much assets and so much power, the courts can't control them, Congress can't control them, the CIA, the, CIA, the FBI, um, the uh, Director of National Intelligence, these officials, if they're not Christian patriots, we are all in line to be victimized. 
And I believe that Americans need to stand up as one. I don't care if you have a D behind your name, an R, an L for libertarian, you're an independent, no party. We need to demand that our Congress shake these uh, intelligence agencies and these federal bureaucrats, shake them down and and uh, rattle some cages and take them to account for what, what they are doing to our liberties and our rights. John, on the way out of this, I want to ask you something that has nothing to do with this, but it has to do with the overriding um, topic that we're talking about this morning. With this inflation-busting bill that passed the Senate, still got to go to the House. Many people think there are enough Democrats that are really afraid that they're going to get voted out in the midterms, maybe enough to stop it from passing in the House, but we'll get into that later. But what's, in, what's included in this bill? Just one thing. 81,000 new FBI agents that we're told are just going to be auditors. And add to that the fact that in this bill is a massive amount of money earmarked to buy guns for these FBI agents to take and use with them and a bunch of ammunition. Okay, knowing that that's out there, Let me put that in perspective of the real thing. If you add those 81,000 FBI agents, excuse me, IRS agents, to the other employees of the IRS, this is going to blow your mind. Do you know that that would mean we have more people working for the IRS than we have in the U.S. military all combined? Oh, gosh, that's that's insanity. Is that the most ridiculous un-American thing that you've ever heard of? That along with forcing all of the American troops to get vaxxed. Um, yeah, it's just one, we, we, you know, we're, we're ricocheting, we're, we're careening from one uh, colossal disaster to another, as President Trump is, is uh, fond of saying, a disaster after disaster. It, look, it's war on America. And, and I am not advocating violence or breaking the law. What I'm saying is, at very least, this is a good day to call your congressman, and including a lot of folks with R's behind their names who've gotten laryngitis after the Mueller attack, and some of them have got laryngitis now after they're trying to shake down Donald Trump. Our congressmen need to get unlaryngitis. They need to go to the doctor, get diagnosed, and get effectively treated for laryngitis, and they need, they need to go to the mic, they need to go to the, to the floor, they need to go to the well of the House and the Senate, they say this needs to stop, and we need to start investigating this, these executive agencies. And frankly, we need to cut them off you know, at the till. We, we are pumping too many billions of dollars into an administrative infrastructure that, I mean, what are we trying to do, rival Red China in our central government apparatus? Um, it, it's time for the executive branch, and that's not – you know, we say the president. Well, the president is the chief, is the commander in chief. He's the chief executive officer of the United States of America. But all of these bureaucrats, these hundreds of thousands or even millions of people that work for the federal government, you know, they need to have their wings uh, tri- uh, trimmed. We need to clip their wings. We need to slash federal government spending on bureaucrats and bureaucracies. Because these people are there, are not there to protect us. They're there, I think, too many of them to take our rights. John Milkovich, good friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, 
a great man, great service, a public servant, and I want to thank you for coming on today. Come anytime when you feel like you have news to enlighten us with, and I know you know a lot that I'll never know. You're welcome here anytime. You're doing a great job, Dan Newman. Keep it up, and people support Dan. He's got a great, this is a great ministry, <laughs> the truth ministry. Thank you, brother. All right, man. John Milkovich, former senator in the state of Louisiana. He knows his stuff. L- listen, don't even give one thought to the fact that everything's okay. We're hoping, we're praying it is, but be ever watchful, asking questions, getting information, trusting people that you know are truth-sayers. Because we, you and me, we have a lot of decisions to make in the upcoming months. They gotta be the right ones. Not just political, not just lifestyle, but always relevant. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Welcome to Burger King. Can I take your order, please? I'm here for the most wanted. Sorry, sir. Can you repeat that? The gang known as the Western Whopper. Ah, you mean our new Texas barbecue beef bacon and sweet Carolina Whoppers, right? Yes, I need them now. Try the new Texas barbecue beef bacon or our tasty honey mustard sauce on our sweet Carolina Whoppers at your nearest BK today. Burger King, have it your way. How hard is it to unlock your car? Not hard. How hard is it to shut your car door? Not hard. How hard is it to start your car? Not hard. How hard is it to put your seatbelt on? People are still dying in car accidents because they were not wearing a seatbelt, which is stupid because it's not that hard. Smarten up, buckle up. Think road safety. A message from the Government of South Australia. possible call from Congressman Louis Gohmert of Northeast Texas. We're trying to um, make the connection. He's he's kind of available. We're hoping you won't just be available. <laughs> We're hoping we can get him on. He's one of those people that's plugged in. I want to thank John Milkovich for joining us. Listen, before we move on, let me just make a few observations, personal professional observations, American taxpayer citizen observations. Here's what we all need to do. Mark the date on your calendar. Circle it. 8-8, August 8, 2022. Why? The American Republic became a banana republic yesterday. A banana republic. What's that about? Banana republic refers to the Principally the Caribbean islands where there's no real form of government that ever stands up. There's no rule of law. It's just whoever is in power makes all the rules. We became that yesterday in the eyes of many conservatives in the same way that many liberals imagine the nation averting such a fate on January 6th. The FBI raided the Palm Beach home of former President Trump yesterday. That stands alone. It is unprecedented in American history. CNN reported 
that according to, and I love this, an unnamed source. Boy, the left stream media have a lot of those that bring a lot of news to the world, don't they? Unnamed or anonymous source. Well, this unnamed source said, the raid began early Monday morning and law enforcement personnel appeared to be focused on the area of the club where Trump's offices and personal quarters are. Another unnamed source told Fox News this, they were not being judicious about what they took. Multiple sources report that the raid pertained to the possibility taking of documents, including classified documents from the White House. But as the president ultimately can determine a document status, you do realize that. President Trump can, just because he was president, he can declassify documents. The matter seems more pedantic than actionable. When former National Security Advisor Sandy Berger, remember this? He stuffed classified documents about 9-11 from the National Archives into his pants and socks. That literally happened back in 2003. And then he lied about it. He endured a misdemeanor conviction, probation, a fine, community service. Trump was not at Mar-a-Lago yesterday. And so there was no use of a federal warrant. Interesting, right? Donald Trump released this stadium, this statement. These are dark times for our nation as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided, and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. Nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States before. After working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary, certainly not appropriate. It is prosecutorial misconduct, the weaponization of the justice system, and an attack by radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024, especially based on recent polls, and who will likewise do anything to stop Republicans in the upcoming midterm elections. Such an assault could only take place in broken third world countries. Sadly, America has now become one of those countries, corrupt at a level not seen here before. They even broke into my safe. What is the difference between this and Watergate, where operatives broke into the Democrat National Committee headquarters? Here, in reverse, Democrats broke into the home of the 45th President of the United States. Well, an abridged version of the FBI's history involving Trump includes some eyebrow-raising raids on the offices of his lawyers, Michael Cohen and Rudy Giuliani, that seemed to upend the tradition of attorney-client privilege. Remember that? Electronic surveillance of 2016 campaign aides. The Bureau's lawyer, Kevin Kleinsmith, pled guilty to altering language to the court, issuing a warrant for that surveillance to make it look as though Carter Page, a CIA source, was actually not a CIA source. Nobody paid the price for doing that. That was describing opposition research in that warrant application as mere research conducted by somebody they called a U.S. person. 
British conspiracy theorist Christopher Steele, on behalf of not the Clinton campaign, who actually paid for it, but a law firm. And Agent Peter Strzok texting his mistress, we can't take that risk of Trump winning, which made the Russian probe necessary as what he called an insurance policy. For liberals frustrated that the bane of their existence remains a free man, the orange man, right? The raid last night, yesterday, strikes as an it's-about-time event. For conservatives, it appears to be an ominous escalation in the use of the apparatus of the state to criminalize their political opposition. The Bureau's continued Trump-on-the-brain campaign against the likely 2024 presidential candidate ironically solidifies him as the nominee should he even announce he's going to run. The drain the swamp mantra that animated the 2016 campaign likely grows in volume among his supporters, bitter at the Justice Department's kid gloves treatment of Biden family corruption, almost complete disinterest in policing itself over its own illegalities involved the 2016 FISA warrants that were changed, that were altered illegally, criminally, nothing done to anybody. And use of Trump as a bright, shiny object to distract from inflation, the recession, disturbing criminality across the nation, the crisis at the southern border. By the way, Joe Biden's total dismissiveness and illegal actions every day suborning the violation of federal law, federal immigration laws, that he, the CEO of the nation, does not want enforced and make sure his people in the department, in the department that controls immigration, make sure they don't do anything about it. The use of federal law enforcement agents to menace a former president finds no precedent in U.S. history. But it does elsewhere. El Salvador, Honduras, Panama, Nicaragua, Mexico. They all indicted former presidents in just the last 20 years. Corruption of the indicters as much as the indicted regularly motivates such use of state power to kneecap their political rivals. Like so much else south of the border, this phenomenon finally arrived in the United States. It's here, folks, and it's always been here. We're just now seeing it raise its ugly head. I want to point back in history over our shoulders, our fairly recent shoulders, to a former attorney general, the first attorney general of Barack Obama, Eric Holder, we're talking about, and I want to mention that we're, we're going to we're going to go to a, a prediction that Eric Holder made not long ago about what happened yesterday. Maybe he's a soothsayer. He uh, he prophesied it. But before we do that, let me remind you: Barack Obama, when he was president, he called Eric Holder and said, "Look, these um, federal gun laws." who, what they do is um, 
They hold people accountable for breaking specific drug laws, holding drugs, having drugs in one's possession. I want you to stop enforcing it. That's what happened. Barack Obama, the President of the United States, the guy who swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution and to support the rule of law, right out front, told his Attorney General, don't hold people accountable for possession of marijuana. Now, what a conundrum that was because all 50 states at the time had state laws, laws against possession there. So what are the states supposed to do when the federal government is not enforcing laws? That was just the beginning of the slide. Eric Holder predicted something like what happened yesterday was going to happen. And as Republicans position more election deniers for office, CNN has learned the former president's attorneys have warned him his effort to overturn the 2020 election could bring indictments. Former Attorney General Eric Holder believes it will happen and will probably include Trump. My guess is that by the end of this process, um, you're going to see indictments involving high-level people in the White House. You're going to see indictments against people outside the White House who were advising them with regard to the attempt to steal the election. And I think ultimately you're probably going to see the president, former president of the United States, indicted as well. Well, that prediction comes as CNN has learned that for the first time, Trump's legal team is in direct talks with the Department of Justice about executive privilege. More signs investigators are focusing on Trump's actions on January 6th and the lead up to it. With me to share the reporting and their insights, CNN's Manu Raju, Jackie Kucinich of The Daily Beast, Laura Barone-Lopez of the PBS NewsHour, and CNN legal analyst Carrie Cordero. Uh, let me start with you, Counselor. If the former president's lawyers are in direct communication with senior attorneys at the Justice Department, that tells you what? It tells me that they are looking for information. They, by going in and engaging in a dialogue with the Justice Department, they're there, I think, in part, to be able to, by asking questions, find out as much as they possibly can about the scope of the investigation, about whether uh, former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows is going to be uh, charged, about how close the investigation is coming to the former president. So while they can engage in conversation about executive privilege and attorney-client privilege as it relates to the former president, I think the most they have to gain through these meetings is what they can glean from them. Uh, it's a fascinating moment, the timing, because we know, and we can put up on the screen, we know the federal grand jury looking into this, uh, you know, the fake electors plot, should we seize voting machines? It's not just about the violence at the Capitol on January 6th, it includes a who's who of the Trump administration and the president's outside circle, people who fought the plan and people who were involved in the plan. Uh, two top aides to Mike Pence, the White House counsel and his deputy in the middle of your screen there, to the right of your screen, people who are trying to help Trump, at both inside the Justice Department and his attorney, John Eastman. Uh, you look at that group. If you were Donald Trump's lawyers, to Kerry's point, you'd want to know, uh, what are they saying? Uh, well, right. And that's one of the reasons they're trying to determine what is executive, what, what falls under executive privilege. But I think, you know, one of the things in the report that really got me was the fact that Trump still has skepticism that he's going to be indicted. He's not convinced. And you know, there, there isn't any indication, you know, one way or the other. But I think that speaks to how he really hasn't been had a, uh, held accountable for many things in his life, both inside and outside of office. So why should this be any different? Um, it seems to be kind of where, where his head is. Uh, and, and this a statement from uh, a spokesman for the former president, the spokesman would not put a name on the statement, which to me is 
odd. I'll just leave it at that. But how can any future president ever have private conversations with his attorneys, counsels, and other senior advisors if any such advisor is forced either during or after the presidency in front of a, they take a shot at the select committee. It's a select committee up in Congress. Thank you very much. Our other entity enforced to reveal those privileged confidential discussions. Uh, it's a political statement as much as a legal statement. They go attacking the Congress there. Yeah, and it's also because ultimately what the DOJ is trying to determine is whether or not the president committed any crimes, whether it was defrauding uh, the U.S. and the electoral system, whether it was objecting to, uh, you know, obstructing, excuse me, a congressional proceeding. And so ultimately, um, yes, the, the president has executive privilege and can have private conversations with his lawyers. But if a law was broken, then that's a different story. The, the I'm going to break in and stop that soundbite there. What you just heard, the discussion about executive privilege. Let me tell you what that's talking about and see what you feel about the conundrum that they just, CNN just told us. Oh, a president can have executive privilege. He can talk to people around him, but only up to a certain point. And who decides where that certain point is? Well, according to them, it's any Democrat. Now, what does this mean? Imagine this, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, Barack Obama. Do you think they sit all day in the Oval Office and they sit there and without any input from anyone else, they determine, what are we going to do today about governing the American people? What are we going to do about our foreign policy? What are we going to do about our military? What are we going to do about this, going to do about that? And so Barack Obama, who is really a smart man, and I'm not being uh, funny when I say that. He's a brilliant guy. He's really smart. Even he cannot do that. So what do they do? What do we want our presidents to do? Surround themselves with the smartest people about every one of the issues we just mentioned and more. Have them in that Oval Office having discussions all the time, getting input, information input, getting opinions from them about what do we think about this? What do we think about doing that? Should we go here? Should we do this? Should we not do this? And all of the whys and why nots. Doesn't that make good sense to you? There is no person on the planet alive now or who has ever been alive that could effectively handle that entire process solo. It takes a village, to quote Hillary Clinton. It takes a lot of people around you. So therefore, what executive privilege covers, it always has, it's been ruled by the U.S. Supreme Court to cover it, is all of those conversations are privilege. Because you don't want all of the just the definition of all of the terms and things that are talked about. You don't want that to be in the hands of people like, oh, those people you were just listening to. Because they assume things, they make up things, they just basically take anything you say and make it be what they think that you meant when you said it. We would never have a president of the United States again. If there is no executive privilege, nobody's going to want to run. Nobody's going to want every sentence that they say in the White House 
to be available to be just blistered and taken apart by the likes of CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, or any of the other talking heads that are out there. We find out, we found out, Trump's attorneys had been in negotiations and had been working with the National Archives about some of the documents And they have been working on a plan, and they may have already turned over some of them. I don't know. That's still out there. But we know it was amicable. It's been amicable. And they have been to Mar-a-Lago. We do know that. So why then, why then would this attack on Donald Trump happen last night? There are a lot of people that are involved in this that, Many of us don't even think about what about it happened in Florida, Palm Beach, Florida. What do the the people down in Florida think about what happened there? I'm going to let you hear from some of them in in just a moment. But I think it's time to take a break and uh, listen to something lighthearted. So maybe you can chuckle just a little bit chuckle about the Amazon Echo that was manufactured and produced and distributed for old folks like me. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Anita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Here are the smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh... Jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one on me. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. (laughs) 
you. But I need a chuckle here and there today. That's one of the best commercials I've ever heard. Amazon Echo. Anyway, Mark Elias, you remember him? He was a top lawyer for Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. He kind of shined a light on what's really at the bottom of all this. He said yesterday, Trump could be disqualified for making another run at the White House in upcoming 2024's election after the raid in his Florida residence. That FBI um, search that was executed, it led Elias to cite this, U.S. Code Title 18, Section 2071. And he highlighted that Trump could be barred from seeking public office again as the former president continues to drop hints, he's soon going to announce his run. The media is missing the really, really big reason why the raid is a potential blockbuster in American politics. That came in a tweet from Mark Elias. He pointed to the passage of that code that states this, quote, Whoever, having the custody of any such record, proceeding, map, book, document, paper, or other thing, willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, obliterates, falsifies, or destroys the same, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than three years or both. And here's the key line of this code. And shall forfeit his office and be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. However, legal challenges, and of course, if this comes up, there will be many, will make efforts to prevent Trump from running again under this code very difficult. Yes, Elias tweeted, I recognize the legal challenge that application of this law to a president would garner since qualifications are set in Constitution. But the idea that a candidate would have to litigate this during a campaign is, in my view, a blockbuster in American politics. Now, this is Mark Elias tweeting. The Presidential Records Act of 1978, what does it require? It's about presidential administrations preserving certain documents. According to the National Archives, they're over all this. The presidential records in 15 boxes taken from Mar-a-Lago earlier this year include documents classified over national security concerns. The agency has also called on the DOJ to probe whether the former president violated federal law in his handling of records. Quote, because the National Archives and Records Administration identified classified information in those boxes, NARA staff, that's National Archives, has been in communication with the Department of Justice. Trump released a statement yesterday announcing the FBI's raid, and he slammed the federal government for its search of his property. Make no mistake about it, folks. This is all about one thing and one thing only. But when you talk about that one thing only, the ripple effects of that one thing only are going to continue every day to rewrite American history. What is that about? You know what it is. Keep Trump from being able to run for re-election in 2024. 
if you look over your shoulder and you remember all the crap we went through together in the Mueller investigation, you remember all that? It was every freaking day. Ah, here's the latest from Robert Mueller, who's investigating the orange man for colluding with Russia, Vladimir Putin personally. We heard that every day for three years. You're going to go through the exact same thing, but it's only going to be ramped up a notch or two between here and the 2024 election. You can bet your bippy I'm telling you the truth. That's just one little piece of this thing. The other piece, probably the biggest piece you heard John Milkovich talk about, is what's happening regarding the United States government and American citizens. They are very quickly, and in many cases very quietly, ripping, ripping the power of the people away from the people and are seizing control, making themselves more and more powerful and more able to seize our liberties from us and make it where they don't answer to us. We answer to them. It's happening. Right now it's happening on your watch, on my watch. And they're not even trying to hide it anymore. That's just the way it is. So how do Florida lawmakers, how do they weigh in on this? After all, it happened in their state, happened in southern Florida, in Palm Beach. What do they think about this? Reaction is pouring in across the country, including here in the Sunshine State. The governor, the candidates running against him, and Florida lawmakers are all weighing in this morning. And our Elizabeth Fry is live in Tampa with that part of the story. Liz? Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, it didn't take long for those reactions from both sides of the aisle to start coming in from local leaders here in Florida. And one thing that all of these responses have in common is that each person seems pretty uh, set on whether or not this raid was justified yesterday. Now, starting at the top, Governor DeSantis didn't hold back. He took to Twitter to voice his response, tweeting in part, the raids of Mar-a-Lago is another escalation in the weaponization of federal agencies against the regime's political opponents, while people like Hunter Biden get treated with kid gloves. Now, Senator Rick Scott also chimed in on Twitter, saying that the FBI's raid is incredibly concerning, especially given the Biden men's history of of going after parents and other political opponents. This is a third world country. Is what he said. He goes on to say, we need answers now, and the FBI I must explain what they're doing today and why. And finally, Senator Marco Rubio also tweeted, saying in part that Biden is playing with fire by using a document dispute to get the Justice Department to persecute a likely future election opponent. Now, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody also weighed in on the raid, speaking on the Ingram angle on Fox News. She said she was not notified beforehand, adding that the FBI better have a good reason for the raid. It is certainly unusual, and I tell you what, the charges, if there are any, the allegations, this better be a rock-solid case to wreck whatever respect there is right now for the FBI. 
Now, on the other side of the aisle, gubernatorial candidates Charlie Crist and Nikki Freed have been vocal as well. Yesterday, Crist put out a statement saying that no one is above the law, not even a former president. He went on to address Governor DeSantis's response, saying that yet again proves he is more interested in playing politics than seeking justice or the rule of the law. And this morning, Nikki Freed plans to hold a press conference right outside the governor's mansion at 9 o'clock this morning, also calling on the governor to allow the Justice Department to do their job and allow, allow the law to play out. So, of course, we're going to be keeping you updated on what she has to say as well, but strong reactions from both sides of the aisle, guys. Yeah, we'll be following this throughout the day. Elizabeth Fry reporting for us. Thank you. We're keeping our eye on the updates of anything happening. I don't think probably before we go off the show live at 11 a.m. Central, we're going to get any more. We may. But let me kind of give you a, a little look-see into the mind of these far lefties. We got the midterms coming up. And Republicans, other conservatives, what do we think about? We think about finding the most qualified people, the people that have the experience, the commitment They have the ability to go to Washington, D.C. and represent the people, we the people up there. Democrats, not so much. They look for the person or persons that they can elect and send up there that will immediately take on, assume the role of being tyrants and be anti-everything to do with conservatism. Everybody that breathes a breath of conservative air because... Those people are all evil. One of the leftist rags that they turn to is called the intercept. The intercept. And you probably don't know this, but we here at Truth News Network, we have to subscribe to a lot of of news outlets that we don't necessarily agree with, but we kind of want to keep our pulse on the, the pulse, their pulse on what they're doing and plans are. This just popped up just minutes ago. Let me, I'm going to read this to you verbatim. This is The Intercept, and they're talking about the midterms. Here's what they say. Republicans have nominated the most radical slate of candidates that we've ever seen for the November's midterm elections. Donald Trump acolytes running on the politics of racial resentment and white grievance. January 6th insurrectionist running for Secretary of State and other key offices that oversee federal elections. Anti-abortion zealots who have pledged bans without exceptions. And with the election now less than 100 days away, we're seeing a flood of dark money pouring into these campaigns to help put as many of these radicals in power as possible. As November approaches... The Intercept's team of investigative reporters will be digging deep to expose the ultra-wealthy donors behind these candidates and the self-serving policies they want enacted in return for their money. But over the last two months, donations to our hard-hitting journalism have taken a hit. If we don't pull ahead soon, we could end up behind for the rest of the year. Will you make a donation to help fund The Intercept and our midterm campaign season reporting team? Now, why did you read that, Dan? What's the big deal about that? Here's what I want you to understand. Every news story you hear, every comment you hear or read that is made from any leftist media outlet, every one of them, 
at the thread of it, the very fabric of what it's all about, it's always all about two things. How to generate power and money from what they do, what they say, what they report. They are consumed with lust for power. And they make no bones about it. They're actually out there stumping and telling people, we got to take control of this. We've got to stop them from doing this. When you have a former secretary of um, Secretary of the Department of Justice, Eric Holder out there, and he's telling everybody, that's what it's all about. We got to stop this. We got to stop that. It doesn't have anything to do with the rule of law. Eric Holder's the only secretary of the Department of Justice that has ever been indicted by the United States Congress. He failed to appear. Now, we have people that are facing prosecution right now from the Trump administration because they failed to appear to give testimony in Congress. Nothing happened to Eric Holder. Nothing happened to James Comey, who lied under oath, who falsified classified documents, distributed classified documents, countered a federal law, numerous federal laws. Nothing happened to him. James Clapper, former head of the Department of National Intelligence, he lied in Congress. Everybody knew it, and it was admitted. Nothing happened to him. John Brennan, former CIA director, hates every conservative, despises Donald Trump. I count three times. He lied under oath. Nothing happened. All of those are federal crimes. When you have a president, Barack Obama, and his secretary of the Department of Justice, Eric Holder, they're out there colluding to no longer prosecute or enforce illegal drug possession laws. And don't even mention what Joe Biden and his secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, are colluding and doing every day. Ignoring federal immigration laws, supporting the illegal acts of millions of illegals coming into this country illegally in defiance of the rule of law, those things that Alejandro Mayorkas and Joe Biden pledged oaths to enforce. Do you see a pattern here? Do you think there's something going on that maybe we didn't see before? It's real, folks. This is the real deal. They are taking your nation away from you and they're laughing behind your backs because they see for us no way for us to stop them for doing it and they're laughing their butts off today. Listen, late last night I flipped over and I watched CNN, I watched MSNBC. They were gleefully championing what happened last night and the rollout that's coming out. Why? Because here's the thing that I think most conservatives don't realize. These hard leftists, you know, we talk about the global state, a global government. We talk about the deep state. Those are all real. 
In the past, if you even thought or mentioned those, you were immediately labeled a conspiracy theorist, and you were a stupid, evil person just for thinking that. Now they don't even try to hide it. But here's what our media brothers and sisters, these CNNers, the MSNBCers, the Washington Posters, the New York Timesers, all of these people, they fashion themselves, and they may have even been told and promised, hey, when we take over this thing, when we push all of these conservatives all the way to the back of the bus, we're going to have leadership. We got to have people up here that serve with us to, to run this monster. And all of you are going to be in that top tier. That's what they're being told. That's what people in 1930s Germany were told that were in the journalism business. What journalism business was there in Germany? There was only one. Newspapers. Newspapers. As Hitler began to build his group of people to take over Nazi Germany and turn it totalitarian and even convince Germans after World War II started that they needed to obliterate those evil Jews. All of those people that stood in line behind Adolf Hitler, all of the infrastructure that he had developed behind him in the way of media, it was newspapers. All those people that stood back there, they were promised by him and his minions, you're going to be part of this thing. You're going to help us run this thing. The group in power, they don't give a rip about you. They don't give a rip about me. They don't give a rip about self-preservation. And you're watching that play out now. You're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. We are here. And we're nowhere near completion of this. This will carry on at least all the way through the 2024 election. What are we as Americans going to do about it? John Milkovich, when he was on here, former Louisiana senator, he recommended that all of us call our lawmakers, call them, get in their grills, make them understand we want them on the House floor, on the Senate floor. We want them out there fighting for the rule of law for the American people and justice. Justice for everybody. We've got to get our arms around that. It's time for a new year, a new you, and a new Volkswagen. Stop by D. Patrick today and check out our entire lineup, like the spacious Atlas with room for everyone, or the not-so-compact compact SUV, the Tiguan, and the always popular Jetta and Passat. At D. Patrick, we have a Volkswagen for every budget and every lifestyle. Check out all the Volkswagen models available at dpat.com. Make this year the best year in a new Volkswagen from D. Patrick on Green River Road. Meet Phil Sklar, co-founder of the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum. 
Our dream is to make Milwaukee, Wisconsin the bobblehead capital of the world. At American Family Insurance, we believe your dreams are the most valuable things you will ever own. So today, we're supporting Phil's dream. If people would like to be a part of the bobblehead dream, we take donations in money or bobbleheads. Every dream deserves a champion. Find yours at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. American Family Mutual Insurance Company and its affiliates. 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin, 53. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Taking the time to speak the truth, no matter the cost. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Since this news broke, the FBI is went after former Trump down at Mar-a-Lago, a growing number of Republicans have spoken out against the raid. I guess the biggest one, the most vociferous one, was House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy late last night. He's a Californian. He tweeted this. I love what he did. He said, I've seen enough. The Department of Justice has reached an intolerable state of weaponized politicization. When Republicans take back the House... We will conduct immediate oversight of this department. We'll follow the facts and leave no stone unturned. And he spoke directly to FBI Director Christopher Wray and told the director, preserve your documents and clear your calendar. In other words, you're going to be busy responding to Congress. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia took it a step further, tweeting, defund the FBI. A Twitter account for Republican members of House Judiciary Committee run by Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio tweeted, this is what happens in third world countries, not the United States. Another tweet read, if they can do it to a former president, imagine what they can do to you. Lindsey Graham, Republican senator from South Carolina said in a series of tweets that launching such an investigation of a former president this close to an election is beyond problematic. We're 100 days away from midterm elections. President Trump is likely going to run again in 2024, Graham tweeted. No one is above the law. The law must be above politics. Senator Rick Scott of Florida who chairs the National Republican Senatorial Committee, called the raid incredibly concerning. We need answers now, he said. The FBI must explain what they were doing today and why. Several GOP senators used the raid to further criticize President Biden's sweeping climate, health, and tax bill, which Senate Democrats passed on Sunday, which includes nearly $80 billion in funding for the IRS. For instance, Marco Rubio, senator from Florida, tweeted, after the raid on Mar-a-Lago, what do you think the left plans to use those 87,000 new IRS agents for? 
other Republicans, including some 2024 potential presidential candidates. They continue to attack the DOJ and the FBI. Ron DeSantis, Florida governor, tweeted, the raid is another escalation in the weaponization of federal agencies. Then he said, banana republic. Former Secretary of State, ex-CIA Director Mike Pompeo, said executing a search warrant against a former president is dangerous. The apparent political weaponization of DOJ, FBI is shameful, Pompeo tweeted. I served on Benghazi Com, where we proved Hillary possessed classified info. We didn't raid her home. Ted Cruz called the raid unprecedented. Republican National Committee Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel also released a statement, asserting without evidence that the search was an attempt by Dems to weaponize the bureaucracy against Republicans. Countless times, we have examples of Democrats flouting the law, abusing power with no recourse. Democrats continually weaponize the bureaucracy against Republicans. This raid is outrageous, he said. This abuse of power must stop. The only way to do that is to elect Republicans in November. Multiple sources confirmed that Trump's residence was raided by FBI agents starting about 10 a.m. yesterday. Former president was not there at the time. More and more details are going to come out, but the bottom line is, folks, it's pretty much set. They're after Donald Trump. They're going to do anything and everything they possibly can do to keep him from to legally be able to run for president in 2024, even if that is his objective. And we don't even know that for sure yet. He hasn't told anybody. He hasn't said anything about it. So I wanted you to hear from another member of the Trump family. Late last night, Laura Trump on Fox News, she weighed in with her thoughts. Kind of different, but you got to remember, she's not his daughter, but she's very, very close to former President Trump, Eric Trump's wife. Here's Lara. Lara Trump, as promised, a member of the Trump family and former senior advisor to Donald Trump, joins us now. Uh, Lara, thank you for being on the program with us tonight. I'll just start with this. Um, have you spoken to the former president? How is he doing? What is the attitude of the family? I have spoken to my father-in-law, and I got to tell you, you know, he's as shocked as anybody. I think for someone and anyone, quite frankly, who loves this country and believes in America, this should shake you to your core. What has happened today? This is a very clear demarcation in the history of America. Uh, Never before, as many of your guests have already talked about, Will, have we seen something like this happen, where an unannounced raid by the FBI is conducted on a former president of the United States. Think about this. If this is what they're able to do to the former president of the United States, think about what they could do to you, to anybody in America. The the bottom line here is that these uh, documents that have been in question have been, everybody's been cooperating. Everybody from my father-in-law's team has been cooperating with the FBI, with any authority that asked for anything up until now. And there was no need to make such a big scene to do something this insane, quite frankly, um, to a former president. But I think everybody clearly knows, Will, what is going on here. This is about weaponizing the justice system as it has 
been so many times in the past against somebody who you politically do not like. They detest Donald Trump, not just on the Democrat side, but the general establishment, because he's not one of them, because he doesn't play their game. They are terrified he's going to announce any day that he's running for president in 2024. And this is a very convenient way to just throw a little more mud on Donald Trump as though they haven't already done enough. This is the same agency, don't forget, the FBI, uh, who, you know, had falsified documents to get FISA warrants to, you know, conduct this entire sham Russia hoax that the country had to deal with for two years, millions of taxpayer dollars and our time that will never get back to find what? Absolutely nothing. They've been trying to shove January 6th down everybody's throat in an effort to get people to care about that and think that's the most important thing in the world. That hasn't worked for them yet. So here they are heading into a midterm and heading into a presidential election season coming up where they know they have no hope on the Democrat side. They have nothing positive to show that they've done for the American people. So what do you do? You try to take out a guy who hasn't even announced that he's running yet, but they're terrified of him on the on the Democrat side for sure, but I'm going to say it again in the general establishment. Laura, uh, you've spoken to your father-in-law, um, therefore you have the most immediate information of anybody we've spoken with tonight. Do does anybody we've spoken with tonight? Does he know? Do you know why his home was raided? He believes it's the documents in question that, uh, you know, everybody's been really upset about from the White House. Look, my father-in-law, as anybody knows who's been around him a lot, loves to save things like newspaper clippings, magazine clippings, uh, photographs, documents that he had every authority will to take from the White House. And, you know, again, he's been cooperating every single step of the way with the people that have, have questioned any of this. And, and I know people have brought it up before, but, you know, look at Hillary Clinton the 33,000 emails that she just deletes that are completely gone and nobody bats an eyelash about it. Donald Trump takes some documents that he had every right to take that every president does, didn't take antiques, uh, you know, like Hillary Clinton took out of the White House and paintings, apparently. Um, but that is what he believes. And that's what, uh, you know, I think is at the bottom of all this and the reason that they raided uh, Mar-a-Lago, quite frankly. All right. All right. Always good to talk to you. Thank you for giving us that firsthand perspective from inside the family tonight. And detractors will say, of course, of course, Eric and Laura Trump, they're going to be in defense of their father and father-in-law, and they're not going to like anybody that disagrees with him, let alone does something like happened last night down in Mar-a-Lago. Listen to this. This wasn't just a off-the-cuff raid of the Department of Justice, the FBI, Monday night. The raid happened as a former president public mulled another election bid and amid growing FBI interference in state elections. More about that later. The raid has provided the clarity that was needed to pretty much every Republican. Every Republican who had participated in, presided over, failed to bring accountability for perhaps the biggest security state hoax in American history. Which one are you talking about, Dan? Spygate. In that operation, Obama administration officials, they colluded to frame and hijack the incoming opposition presidency using fabricated made-up evidence, 
lies to secret security courts, the FISA court, media propaganda operations, breaking numerous laws as well as the public trust when they did it. They didn't even care. They framed a president and they got away with it. Now they're raiding the same president. It won't stop there if they get away with it again. If Republicans don't end this now, Republicans all are next. Evidence has come out. This was not the only instance of unelected spy and military officials working together to void elections by preventing their supposed commander-in-chief from exercising his legal authority over them. This isn't the first. Plenty of evidence shows Democrats' investigation into the one riot that was perpetrated among supporters of their top political opponent, and by the way, that happened amid thousands of perpetrated by their own supporters that went uninvestigated two years of riots, burning down of cities, billions of dollars of federal and private property destroyed, law enforcement officers shot, Americans killed during all of those terrorist raids, riots. They did nothing. This isn't an investigation. This is a cover-up. We already knew that top military leadership had lied to Trump about Afghanistan. Why? So he wouldn't withdraw. Military guys, they like that. They like being in war. It seems likely those same military officials sabotaged Joe Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan. Newly released information about General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, provides more confirmation that security state officials felt comfortable refusing to obey their supposed commander's orders. Military leadership ignored elected civilian leadership is more coup-style behavior that implicates yet another branch of America's frightening military-industrial complex. The bottom line of being run by a national security state and its influence operations is the end, the very end of self-governance in America. If Americans aren't allowed to choose who their leaders are going to be until national security agencies filter the pool and tell us we don't have a democracy, we don't have a republic or a democrat republic, we have a security state that uses elections as a facade for tyranny. As Mike Anton wrote two weeks ago, the political persecution of Donald Trump is not about him at all. It's about his representation of what a large block of voters want that the national security state won't allow. He said this, the regime can't allow Trump to be president not because of who he is, although that grates on him, but because of who his followers are. That class must not be allowed representation by candidates who might implement their preferences, which also, and above all, must not be allowed. They're calling all of you, conservatives, the country class, the rubes, 
have no legitimate standing to affect the outcome of any political process because of who they are, but mostly because of what they want. Complaints about the nature of Trump are just proxies for objections to the nature of his elector base. No wonder Democrats keep bleeding loudly about our democracy. They know we don't live in a democracy right now. And this FBI raid is going to make a lot more people aware that we don't live in a democracy. The United States isn't united. And right now, it's not free. If Republicans continue to submit to this arrangement, farcical arrangement, it'll be more confirmation that America's two-party system is nothing more than a pretense, an allegation. And Republicans are merely a fake opposition party kept on life support to help some people believe our elections are legitimate. Republicans promised hearings aren't enough. Republicans also held hearing after hearing on Spygate. Nobody was brought to justice. What about Benghazi? What happened there? Nobody was brought to justice. We could, we could list instance after instance. Nothing happened. Comey passing documents over to a friend. Classified documents. Nothing happened. James Clapper lying under oath, John Brennan lying under oath, all of these things and many, many, many more. Nothing happens to anybody that does anything wrong or illegal. At the top of our government, way up at the top, those people are bulletproof if they're Democrats. Republicans should be using every peaceful tool of dissent, protest, and refusing to cooperate, as well as preparing to replace, listen to this, this is Dan Newman talking, and I mean what I'm about to tell you. Republicans need to replace the entire FBI and the entire Department of Justice with completely apolitical staff Anything Democrats want or need from Republicans from now on, and it may include providing the appearance of a consenting two-party system, should be completely off-limits. Not permanently, but listen for what period of time. Everything Democrats want, uh -uh, not going to get it, until this banana republic governance is over. Now, that may be hard, and it probably is hard. Maybe crass, it probably is crass. But we're at that point. We are there. We are there. So what's going to happen today? i got to be honest with you. <laughs> I really, really don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. I promise you right now, there's a bunch of stuff going on. There's a bunch of movement around behind the scenes that we don't know about. We'll find out more about it today. And if you stay close to us, we, of course, will constantly 
bring you the information, the news and information. I hate it that we only have a two-hour show. But I guess that's one of those things we have to do. Just real quick, kind of wondering what everybody else, others around the globe, what they think. You know who Nigel Farage is from Britain. He shared his shock at what he called the appalling raid on Trump's place yesterday. Nigel is the architect of Brexit, political commentator. Last night's FBA raid, it just floored him, he said. It was appalling. He couldn't understand it. This is a sentiment that Farage has expressed emphatic agreement with. This has never happened to a U.S. president before. And he said, the raid shows that the American establishment is very, very scared of Donald Trump. No former president has ever been treated like this. They're scared. They're scared he's going to come back, that his party will storm the midterms, and he's coming back to the White House in 2024. He ridiculed the very justification for the raid itself, with the longtime ally of Trump claiming that while there was no conspiracy surrounding the events of January 6th, and by extension no documents in existence detailing a conspiracy, the idea that any sensitive documents that would have been stored at Trump's home is laughable. Let me just tell you this as we go. I don't think you'll hear this anywhere else. Pray for Donald Trump. Pray for his family. And pray that people like Merrick Garland and Christopher Ray pray that they will understand they better straighten up their act or they're going to answer to the American people in one way or the other. That's a wrap on the show. Stay close to TNN Live, truthnewsnet.org. As I said, going into this show, really big thing for us and our family, Olivia Newton-John passing away after a long battle. 30-year battle with breast cancer because of my wife's oldest sister who loved Olivia Newton-John, Marilyn. She died of breast cancer too. This is the most controversial song as we leave from Olivia Newton-John, which she did during her career. Oh, she got blasted for this. Let's get physical.